Welcome to the Total Car Score podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Welcome back to the Total Car Score podcast with Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. And if I'm correct, this week we should have been at SEMA in Vegas for uh, the annual show there. But again, we're I'm in Miami. Lauren is in Buffalo and Carl is in California. How are you, Carl? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, it's uh, that crazy week where we're going to be kind of uh, navigating the way for the next four years of our country, as we all know. So uh, we'll see how. Oh, things- yeah. That's true. I, I forgot. <laughs> you voted, didn't you? Didn't you, Javier? You voted? Yes, I did. Yeah. As long too. as you vote. Does it make a difference for whom? Just vote. Right. Yeah. How are things in uh, Buffalo, Lauren? Well, we had our first light snow the other day, and of course, the first thing that New York State did is they salted the roads, which means all my cars go to sleep now until it gets washed off, because you definitely don't want to take a nice car in the salt, because that calcium chloride, which they use here, is not salt like table salt. It literally destroys cars. Uh, In the West Coast, they use ash, because it's acidic, but they also use beet juice on it, so just like in the kind of fruit or vegetable that you eat because it helps it stick to the roadway, but it also helps it stick to your vehicle. Yeah, uh, it's a bright color, bright red color too. I, like, it's yeah, like a it is. Green. Oh, wow. But it also destroys things. It's just terrible. Yeah, it was 75 today in Miami. I mean, yesterday in Miami. So that was our cold, first cold front. <laughs> they didn't put anything on the road here. Yeah, they're not going to put anything on the road. It's Florida. Exactly. So anyway, as I was okay. saying, like, you go, go to SEMA in, in two two ways, right? Like you go as a journalist, but you also go as a businesswoman, right? Right. I do both. Uh, I've been going to SEMA since 1986. This is the first year I haven't gone since then because there is no SEMA. Uh, that's especially Equipment Manufacturers Association. Uh, there's hundreds of thousands of people and I'm, I'm involved on the boards for the women's board and for the business boards. And on the other, there's two actually events. Well, actually it's three, but there's two actually events going on at the same time. The other one is Apex, which is the automotive aftermarket parts exhibition. And that's like everything you see in an auto parts store from like simple green to oils and batteries. And most of my clients are there. So it's been interesting communicating it. You know, everyone was kind of sitting on their hands, but now it's the end of the year. People are starting to pick up phones and call and you can get a hold of people. So that's, there is a plus to that. I, I'm trying to make lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. And uh, in recent years, some manufacturers have used SEMA to share some news, not necessarily like the view of a new car, but again, that's gone too. So who knows when we're going to have a, another auto show because CES in January in Vegas also is canceled, right, Carl? Yeah, I don't think anything's going on, which when you think about Las Vegas and how that city makes money, uh, you know, SEMA and CES, which happened within like two months of each other, three months of each other between uh, early November and early January, that's a lot of revenue for that city. And uh, for them not to have just those two, not to mention the other, you know, probably 50 or 100 major events they've had there over the past or should have had there over the past six plus months. I don't know. I, I I wouldn't want to be looking at the books for uh, Las Vegas and uh, the state of Nevada th- this year, but I'm sure they're going to be uh, be suffering. Yeah, um, I believe CES is actually the largest uh, trade show in the world. I mean, like the amount of people who go there is just crazy. But again, we're going to be virtual this year, so everybody can be in their computers. 
quote unquote safely at home. <laughs> we'll see how it's that still goes. fun to watch. I, I spent a day already watching SEMA. I thought I was gonna fall asleep. Matter of fact, I may have. It's not the same thing. It's not the same experience. If you're not there talking pe- to people and you know saying, Hey Carl, what's going on? Hey Javier, good to see you. It's different. It's really it's it's like a zoom. It's not the same thing. And although they may be talking at you, they're just talking at you. Yeah. And then you have to see and touch and feel things. I mean, it's not the same thing that somebody's going to explain you how this particular part for a new car is going to work or these rims or whatever. I mean, if you don't see it physically, it's not the same experience. I don't know how much you guys buy online. I don't really like buying too much online unless I know specifically what it what it is, like a camera or something like that. But it's something new that I don't know what it is. I don't want to just buy it for like, get it online without seeing it. I feel the same way. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's like buying a car, but not test driving it. And I can't do that, especially because some of these parts and components are very expensive. I mean, buying a set of rims is five grand easily out of the box for a decent set of rims. And if that's for four of them, if you're buying reasonable and more expensive, if you're buying race parts, I want to touch that stuff. So there's no performance racing show either. So with that in mind, there looks like there's nothing until the spring. Yeah. We're going to talk more about outer shows. Lauren did an interview with Paul Bryan, our friend and colleague, who actually used to run the PR department for the Chicago Auto Show. But that's going to be in the third segment to analyze, I guess, uh, what's going to happen with the outer shows next year or whenever they're going to come back, if they come back. Uh, but uh, other news that happened this week, I mean, now most of the manufacturers don't report sales month to month. They do now quarter to quarter. But Mazda did a... Uh, Report they went up 16.5% compared to October last year. They sold 22,736 vehicles, which sounds pretty good. I mean, what are, what are you hearing from other manufacturers, Carl, or just in general about how COVID is affecting everything in that sense? Well, the, the good news, because there actually is some with this whole thing, is that it's it's created a new buyer group, and that group used to ride public transportation. And so for obvious reasons, you've got a whole new set of people who are used to riding public transportation and not owning a car, suddenly deciding they're going to own a car. And that has created basically, you know, you made the, you made the pie bigger. You didn't just change the share of the pie from one manufacturer to another. You grew the size of the pie because you grew the size of the potential customer base out there in the U.S. And the results are things like bumped sales for Mazda in October. Um, pretty good profit margins that we heard on some of these uh, third quarter reports from some of the other manufacturers that they just reported. So, you know, there's actually a somewhat of a benefit to the automotive industry as a result of this uh, pandemic. And we're seeing it in the numbers. Yeah. Even in the trend spotting, Carl, I mean, think about it. You, you were, we were moving to a subscription based ride sharing type of environment where the government or previous governments have been pushing really, really hard in other countries to to use mass transit, to find other forms of transportation rather than a car. And then as soon as you find yourself trapped in a city where you can't get transportation and you feel uncomfortable in a cab or an Uber or a Lyft or whatever, or DD, which is a big chunk of the world, that's when you start thinking, wait a minute. I don't want to do that. I, I got to take my kids somewhere. And I have a lot of friends who work in the TV business and the news side, and they were contacting me crazy numbers to help them buy cars quick. Uh, one person is a weather reporter and contacted me and said, I need a RAV4 today. And I'm like, whoa, 
like, no, he was serious. He called me. I'm serious. I want one today. And I'm like, okay. And it was like a Saturday. So I made a couple calls and pulled a few strings and, and helped him get it. He knew nothing about it. All he knew is he wanted a RAV4. He didn't even, never even had one. Didn't never, he hadn't had a car since he was in high school. And it was one of, so when you're seeing that type of panic, that type of knee jerk reaction, and the increase in buying, those people that are looking are thinking, well, yeah, I won't buy a new car. There's, there wasn't a lot of inventory. So it caused people to look at used cars, which bumped those prices 10 to 15%. And now for the month of November, we're seeing a softening now in the used car market, almost back to the levels it was prior, because they were just crazy. If you bought a car during that time, it better be a need and not a want. Uh, yeah. And I tell, tell, still tell people, if I post every month all the incentives and hidden hidden deals that are out there. I would wait till December or January if you can, if you have that luxury, and or extend your lease before you go ahead and make a decision on buying a new vehicle. Well, it seems like uh, in general, the numbers are not going to be obviously as last year, but in general, I think the numbers are going to be kind of healthy, right, Carl? They're definitely going to be better than people assumed a couple months ago. I mean, I think people were wondering if we were going to clear 10 million new car sales after six years in a row of uh, seven, you know, 15 to 17 million, seven years in a row of 15 to 17 million new car sales. And all of a sudden it was like, man, are we going to clear 10? And I think most people are predicting, I'm predicting right around 14 and a half, which again, given this year, a drop from 17 to 14 and a half is a lot smaller drop than people would have imagined just a few years ago. And uh, I think, I think it is worth mentioning though. I want to reiterate what you were saying, Lauren, because there was absolutely this idea being floated over the past few years, you know, increasingly of personal car ownership is so like 20, 20th century. This is a 21st century. Nobody wants to own a car. Let's just all do ride sharing. Let's just have a car when we need it. A car sits 95% of the time dormant in your garage. What a waste of time and space. Come on, let's all turn our garages into living space and just have cars show up when we need them. And you hit on the point that everyone should remember. It's like, yeah. But when that 5% time comes that you have to do something, that makes the other 95% time the car sits dormant completely worth it. And you're dependent on someone else instead, a, a ride sharing unit or a public transportation that suddenly isn't available. You get real aware of how valuable it was to have your own car ready to go whenever you want. That's why cars have sold so well in this country for you know, 80, 90 years. And that's going to probably be why they keep selling pretty well, even if they're different powertrains and they're more advanced and maybe they have even more capability to drive sometimes on their own. You want to go when you want to go and people are going to pay to have that, have that level of freedom. I, the key uh, word is freedom. The key word is freedom, yeah. Carl. And I think that's it because I think the biggest thing that, and I've done a bunch of these on, on other news reports. The number one reason people purchase vehicles is because they want that freedom. They're not willing yeah. to, give that up. And I think that's one of the things I always tell people before you think like Carl was saying, Oh, what? it's a waste. It's a waste. It costs me insurance. It costs me, you know, fuel maintenance and storage and blah, blah, blah. When you need to get away, if like, Carl, like Carl's in California, if you've got an earthquake, you want to get the heck away. Javier is in Florida. And if you've got a tsunami coming and you've been through this, I know you get, no, yeah. get in your vehicle, that's going to go the longest distance and you get the heck out of Dodge. Yeah. Uh, pardon the automotive pun, but we have the same thing here. I mean, we're told blizzards and the last thing you want to be doing is relying on a ride share. Some guy who doesn't take care of his car, doesn't have snow tires. Oh no, my friend, yeah. I have an all wheel drive truck with snow <laughs> tires. And when the streets aren't plowed, don't you worry, I'm getting there. 
Yeah, speaking of that, I'm going wherever you want, uh, however you want. In the next segment, Carl is going to tell us all about the new Land Rover Defender, which, uh, again, I think is going to sell a lot uh, next year in the, in the years to come. So we'll be back with that. the Total Car Score podcast with Carl Brower and uh, Lauren Fix. And as I was saying, Carl had the first opportunity, I think, of the three of us of uh, really test driving the Land Rover Defender, the car that came back after, what, almost more than 20 years that, uh, that was not in the market here in the U.S. A very light car for the people who like adventure. Like the, the last generation wasn't probably that comfortable to drive, but it was a very cool a very capable car, but this new generation, we all seen it, like Lauren and, and me and Carl too, we saw it on the Nactoy drive in Ann Arbor last month. But Carl, tell us uh, what do you think? I mean, is, is this really that capable, that good, that uh, technically advanced? Yeah, I think it is. And I think Land Rover was smart because they know the car has this iconic uh, history that surrounds it. It's kind of like the Jeep Wrangler of England. And so it's been seen as this very capable car, more so than like the premium luxury uh, element that Land Rover also tries to have. So they had a pretty high bar to clear. If they were going to reintroduce the name like Defender to the U.S. market, which hasn't been here, like you said, since 97, and it was only here for six years, 92 to 97. And then they didn't want to, they weren't selling enough to justify keeping it up to date on terms of like emissions and safety tech. But they've reintroduced it for the 2020 model year. It's in the running for NACDOI for uh, SUV of the year, for North American SUV of the year. And I was able to drive it very extremely in terms of what I was driving over extreme off-roading for the product launch recently. And I was happily uh, impressed and satisfied that they didn't sell the iconic brand short. Uh, you know, before we got to the off-roading section, just driving around on pavement, it was really fabulous. Uh, the ride quality, the steering pre precision and feedback, the brake confidence, all the things you want on a car that you may never take off-road or a sports car, you know, you just want it to, to be comfortable and precise and confident on pavement and it does all those things. And if you never took the Defender off-road, you'd still have this very nice, luxurious, uh, refined um, SUV that has a very cool look to it. But if you take it off-road, which we did on the launch, thankfully, and you do what you're supposed to be able to do with this vehicle, it completely lives up to that too. And we have, I have some footage in the video I shot uh, of some pretty extreme suspension articulation where you've got you know two of the four wheels are the only ones touching the touching the ground for a few seconds and the whole thing and it's very advanced it's got advanced uh, terrain response system as standard and then there's terrain response two which is even more advanced for figuring out what what to do depending on the surface you're on it has it's 11 and a half inches of ground clearance and it's like 19 inches of suspension articulation i think that it can do. wow that's and a it lot can wade through water 35 inches deep that's almost three feet um and it uh, and then it has the two engines, and we had, of course, the more powerful six-cylinder one that makes um, 395 horsepower and 406 pound-feet of torque. But even the littler two-liter one makes 300 horsepower and 300 pound-feet of torque. And the best part, really, guys, is you can get one for fifty thousand dollars. So 
if you want to get a more advanced one, you can spend well over 80,000. But I priced out uh, an, an SE, a Land Rover Defender SE mid-grade, which automatically comes with the bigger engine, which I would want. And even with a nice collection of options to give it more capability, like Terrain Response 2 and the tow package and stuff, it came in at just under $75,000. So, you know, the 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 Range Rover um, top line model they have easily can cross a hundred grand and it's not as capable off-road. And I think to get one of these for between 60 and 70,000, 60 and 75,000 well-equipped is actually a pretty good deal. Yeah, I've seen a few here already on the streets in Miami. I think the car went on sale uh, last month or like end of September. And it looked really good. I, I drove it briefly in an Arbor, but we didn't, we weren't able to do anything extreme there. Uh, have you seen already some on the road in Buffalo, uh, Lauren? Uh, I know the dealer has one, and he won't sell it, but you can look at it and you can test drive it, but he's not selling it because he doesn't know right. what he's going to get more. Well, there's a demand for it. And, of course, the guy's got it all decked out like you're going off in the Sahara. So it's kind of cool. Definitely cool. Uh, what about the design? I mean, some of the elements are kind of, I mean, a little bit controversial, maybe like that side panel in the in the back window. Did you like that, Carl? And that has a reason. It's not only like for the looks, right? It's to mount some other accessories when if you want to do that. Right. You can put like a, an exterior kind of box on their storage box, you know, and whether you want it, you know, a common one you would think of that would be on the exterior of a kind of off-road utilitarian vehicle like that might be a first aid kit, right? It's about the same size as like a nice first aid kit, but you could put other things there. It's just more storage. But yeah, it's a little questionable for some people because it's this contrasting color that's otherwise on these kind of darker windows. But for 2021, they've already uh, released a lot of the info. And one of the things you can do is have that um, black. So it's less prominent in the car's look if you paint that little panel that uh, is up in the glass area black and then you have dark tinted windows and you can also do the um black a pillars so it makes it kind of look like the roof is floating between the color of the roof and the color of the body and then the the uh, roof pillars in between are black so it's it's got that i think it looks really neat i'll tell you driving behind it in the kind of you know parade that we did both on road and off the rear taillights i don't know what it is about them they're just they're just they're not really any crazy shape or anything like that but the way they're arrayed down the sides of the vehicle on either side of the opening uh, door that swings open sideways. Got these little circles and they've got a real nice bright, you know, LED. Yeah, look. it has that, like two sets, right? Like one smaller and one bigger. And that's yeah. that really interesting. It's weird. It's like it's, if you try to describe it, there's no nothing you can say that would make it sound that cool. But when you see it and you're following it, it looks, there's something with the taillight array that was very almost like hypnotic. I'm watching it as I'm driving down the road and I'm like, that's a cool taillight array. It just looks really neat. Well, the price range can be very wide in the Jeep Wrangler and, and this one too, but it's Jeep in trouble, especially with the Bronco coming, coming back next uh, March. They're definitely facing more competition than they were obviously a year ago. You know, you got two big name, uh, iconic brands in the extreme off-road capability world, Bronco and Defender, that are going to be in the market uh, or already are in the market. And I think you're funny you mentioned that, uh, Javier, because did you see how Jeep released that like exterior yeah. rear view mirror kit that you can bolt onto the to the uh, A-pillar? of the windshield on a Wrangler after you've removed the doors. Cause if you remove the doors on a Wrangler. You also remove your rear view mirror because they're attached. 
The Bronco doesn't do that. You can pull the doors on the Bronco and first you can store them right in the Bronco. You don't have to leave them like chained up to a tree at the start of the trailhead, which you have to do with the Wrangler. And you retain your rear view mirrors even after you've pulled the doors on the Bronco. So this was clearly a move, a counter move to what Jeep sees coming on the Bronco. Just one of many features that sound pretty cool on the Bronco that the Jeep can't match. So yeah, I think it's putting it subtly to say uh, the Wrangler, not necessarily in trouble, but its competition just got much stiffer than it was uh, just up to really the Defender and the Bronco showing up. Think about the Bronco too. Same thing. Take the doors, put the doors away. And these are all, these are all coming back to the same thing that we know that manufacturers are all going to be fighting for that same thing. I'm really looking forward to drive that car uh, in the conditions that you did, Carl, because uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. You, Lauren, had something that is in a different style, but also a lot of fun, the Alfa Romeo Stelvio. That's a fantastic oh. SUV. I wish it was a quadrifolio at 505 horsepower, but it is not. It's okay. the all-wheel drive TI Sport. Yeah, you know, I said, I, when they told me they were bringing it, I go, is it a Stelvio quadrifolio? And he says, no, it's just a regular one. I went, okay, I'll take it. But you know what? I really like it. I They've done a lot with that vehicle starting about $46,000. And the one thing I think I really love about that car is when you park it in a parking lot, you know it's an Italian car. You know it stands out in the crowd. It says, I'm Italian, you know? And of course, mine came in Russo red, which is that a typical Italian even red. More. Even more so, right? And the red brakes, just so like, in your face. But I love it. The seats were super comfortable. They did a nice job updating the multimedia screen in front. I mean, there's a few minor things. I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to sit in the back seat for a long trip, but it was certainly comfortable enough for an adult to sit back there for, you know, two, not three necessarily. Uh, you know, it may have less storage than some of its competitors, but overall, I really love the car. I, I just, I don't know, something about that vehicle since day one, the Stelvio and the Giulio, that I just love. The design, I think, as you mentioned, really, really stands out. And and again, the Quadrofoglio, obviously, is a different, <laughs> different game, yeah, but uh, that's, that's my like kind really of vehicle. Nice, yeah, yeah I, I love that, too. We drove it in the Sonoma Raceway, and I remember on that uh, test drive, it, it had been raining, and the... The engineers and all the Alfa Romeo people say, oh, don't worry, just go. We trust you and we trust the car too. So go and like have fun in the rain. Hopefully nothing happened and nothing did happen. So it was a lot of fun driving that car on the racetrack. So I have a, an a Audi RS7. I haven't had much time oh, to, nice. to drive it around here, but I love that car. I mean, the design of that car, both exterior and interior and the way Audi is doing the lighting also, like you, you were talking about the Defender, uh, Carl, I just posted a short video on my Instagram account about just the back lights of the Audi RS7. It's like a Christmas tree. And I don't put Christmas decorations in my house, but I will put that in my driveway. That's yeah. Christmas I'm, I'm with it's you there. It's a beautiful car. Lighting is like the next big thing, you know, uh, the technology that they can do with all these LED lights and, and the ability to make a lot of light come out of a very small area is making the designers uh, have all these new kind of tools that they didn't have even just a few years ago. So they can design the exterior of a car and the idea that, well, we need this big opening or this big glass element in each corner for the lights is no longer true. Now they can have them be much smaller and still meet the light standards they have to meet. So it's it's pretty cool what they're doing. Yeah, the, LX, uh, the Lexus IS also had a very thin light that goes all the way across in the back and looks beautiful too especially at night yes. obviously agreed i'm a big fan of that that audi though Oof, could have that in my garage yeah, for sure it. we'll talk more about that uh, next week 
And uh, again, as I said, in the next segment, Lauren is going to talk with Paul Bryan, who is an expert in auto shows. Um, he's going to share what uh, he thinks is going to happen with this uh, part of the industry when we come back. With, uh, without further ado, here is Lauren talking to Paul Bryan about the future, the present crisis, we can say, about the outer shows. We have a guest with us today who is very special. He's not just a friend, but he's also the expert on auto shows. I'd like to introduce to you Paul Bryan, and I'll let him give you his credentials because he's really impressive. Oh, geez, that, that's a nice way to go. Hey, Paul, you want to buff yourself up a little bit here? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I spent 20 years uh, at the Chicago Auto Show and senior management team of, of running that show. And uh, I guess of all of uh, all of us who operate now purely in the on the journalist side of things, I don't think there's anyone really that has any actual auto show experience so i guess that uh, puts me at the as the leader of the pack here huh? right so now now you know more than just the chicago auto show you're very connected with the international auto shows la detroit new york so you kind of know all the players well you have to because it's not just working with the Chicago show or Detroit show or, or LA or whoever it might be, because all of those shows fit into uh, the big Keanu Reeves matrix of, of shows that's headquartered in Geneva, Switzerland, which is part of the FIA. The North American people get together, and once a year, generally during the Geneva show, the Oika people. I used to make fun of the Oika people too before Chicago got Oika status because I, I made it the uh, I, I did one, one promotion of it as Oika, which uh, which I promoted as the organization of uh, something of really really cult or something like that. <laughs> we, had, we, we had fun with it, but. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah, you, you get to know everybody that's in the auto show business, whether it's Rod Alberts at Detroit or uh, uh, Mark Scheinberg at Detroit, at New York, rather, uh, or the guys in Switzerland, because everybody's got to work their timing out so that mm -hmm. it makes sense not only for the shows and, and for them to accomplish their goals, but also to make sure that you don't have everybody stepping all over everybody else. Because there's only a finite number of what are class A display properties that each manufacturer owns and has built. So, uh, for instance, Chicago always came like about a month after the Detroit show was closed. And what that did is not only give proper spacing to make sure that the auto show uh, exhibitors 
had enough time to to spread out their news. But it also gave from the shows and exhibits side or that silo within each organization their opportunity to move their class A properties from Detroit over to Chicago. Because, you know, auto shows have hierarchy. There's there's the shows, and, and I really can't even count Chicago in that anymore uh, because the manufacturers don't. As one of the, the big shows, it's sadly kind of devolved into a regional show, even though it's the biggest in, in the country by far. McCormick Place is the the dream venue for every auto show producer in the world, period, unquestioned. They love wow. McCormick Place. Well, I mean, you know, look, look at the, the room you're working with, and Chicago had so much more advantage in terms of, of a labor force that's really experienced with being able to move big shows in and out because Chicago's just a major shows and convention capital for the rest of the year. And now that, that was kind of the secondary reason why Chicago fell where it fell because you've, you've got 25, 30 other major shows that are going in and out of McCormick place. So with, with all of that as preamble, my God, what a mess we're in right now. With that was the auto big question. Sh- auto Is shows there globally. auto shows? Is there yeah. auto shows in the future? I mean, you lost, we lost Geneva. We have no Detroit, no LA. Everyone's moving around. It's like a house of cards. So is it all going to be digital in the future? I mean, we're not going to be able to see, touch, smell, and communicate with people? Or, or do you think that there's going to be some form of something down the road? It's, I got to say that auto shows in general have been on the decline for four or five years now. Uh, as digital platforms have improved, you know, people, you know, God, they don't want to go into dealerships, number one, you know, but, but there was also some uh, wow factor in going to the auto show. Why? Because that's where you could go in and you could see a Ferrari, you could see a Lamborghini, you could see all of the exotics that would come in. You'd see the concept cars, etc. Well, the thinking has changed, actually, in terms of those exotics for quite a while now. Remember that auto shows need Ferrari. Ferrari doesn't need auto shows. Good point. You know, they don't. I mean, their their production is sold out for a couple of years anyway. Ferrari's marketing budget sits with a number five on it uh, with Charles Leclerc and uh, and uh, and F1, also with, for those and, who aren't racing and, fans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Formula One is the Ferrari marketing program. And boy, are they having some bad times right now. <laughs> yeah, they're having <laughs> a really yes. bad year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But, uh, but nevertheless, the, the quality of vehicles has dropped off. Manufacturers, not just Ferrari, but you could, you could even look to somebody, and I don't want to call them pedestrian, but I'll say mainstream, as people like Volvo, who have said, wait a minute. We're going to spend how much money to do this display in L.A. 
or Chicago or New York or Frankfurt or Geneva. And we're going to get what from that? And then they, they think, now here, I'll, I'll give you a great example of this. Uh, last fall, you and I flew to Los Angeles for a Cadillac introduction. Mm-hmm. And that was about three weeks before what would have been the Detroit show. And, and I remember us talking about it and uh, also talking to the, the Chevy PR guys. And I said, geez, you know what? Years ago, this what, what we just did would have made so much sense just to do the introduction at, during the media preview of an auto show. Their thinking on things has changed. They're, they're now saying, why do I want to spend a million or two million dollars for 20 minutes on a media preview schedule uh, during an auto show? And maybe I'll get some of the media that I want. Maybe not because it's a really busy two days of media preview. What they did is they said, we're going to cherry pick the media that we know are worthwhile. And we're going to fly them to Los Angeles. And we're going to have them in the palm of our hands for 24, 30 hours, however long we were there. And that way they were able to extend their message over a period of time. They were able to make the executives that they wanted to make available to, to the media readily available, not just here it is on stage, but Hey, Paul Lauren, come on over. There's a seat here at dinner at the dinner table with the vice president of manufacturing or design or, or engineering, whoever it might be. So, uh, so the whole mentality has changed. The manufacturers are now saying, I think I'd rather take that money and the digital guys say, I'll take that money and you know what I'll do with it. I'll take that $2 million you were going to spend at Detroit and I will not only you know, splash it out, but I'm going to target it to people. A, we know are Cadillac buyers B are in our competitive set of other vehicles that we're selling against C might be good conquest sales for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, D, we can we can ping the hell out of them four or five times. Right, it makes a lot of sense to to pull it in house, and I think that's what we're seeing. I mean, yeah. but are we are we actually going to see auto shows, or is that kind of a thing of the past? Something we can tell our grandchildren. I I think on the scale that uh, that I experienced, that I had good fortune of experience for for twenty years, and and I had from the. T- time I was a small boy going to the Chicago Auto Show, I think those days are over. I think you're going to see smaller dealer shows, and those are valuable because the local dealer organizations need to stoke sales in one way or another. But I don't think you're going to see the the grandiose, lavish, uh, gee whiz editions of auto shows that we used to see with with magnificent displays and Everybody from and presentations. The presentations we yeah. used to see were like Broadway quality. Yeah, you know they they were crazy expensive, and you know it wasn't unusual at all. You know, heck, I'll give you another example of this. And this this will take us back like four years ago, uh, maybe even five now. You and I went to Milan for the introduction of the Alfa Romeo. Uh, 
was it Stalvio? It was Ju- Julia. It was Julia, Julia, and then the museum because we did yeah. both. Yeah. So so uh, we went for that, and you know we, we walked into the conference room there, and we and we were there for forty eight hours. We went to a great fair with with Guaberto, and and God, we had a wonderful time. I never lost a toe. And, uh, and, and, and yet, That's right. starting, starting the presentation that night was Andrea freaking Bocelli I know, in the that room was amazing. It was amazing. singing, singing Nessun Dorma was, was the, with the introduction of this car. And I went, Oh my God, this is, this is great. Crazy, you know, so, crazy yeah. experience. But those experiences, I don't, I don't see them coming back again, which is really sad because that was part of was the joy of being a journalist that uh, you, you and I have been doing this. I've been doing it, what, oh, geez, 30 plus years. I don't know how many years you've been doing this as well because you've been doing this longer than I have. But still, I think it takes away some of that coolness of being a journalist that sort of everybody wants to be. I, I don't, what takes away, Lauren? Uh, it, it takes away, you know, not having that, no, no longer having oh, yeah, that available. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes away some of the patina for, yes. f- you know, for the for the normal showgoer. I, gosh, when uh, when I was just growing up and I'd go to the Chicago show, you'd have TV stars that would be there, not for the media preview, but they would be there every day. They had them booked every day during the auto mm-hmm. show with several appearances during the day. To get people to come out, whether it was, you know, who knows who it might have been. Oh, we've seen but, Donald Trump there. We've seen uh, the girl from uh, Desperate Housewives. We've sure. seen musicians, Jay Leno. Uh, I saw John Lovitz one year at Detroit. I mean, and those are just like ones off the top of my head. But I How, how uh, long did it Seinfeld. take you to get that image out of your head? Which one? John Lovitz. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he's very funny. Um, I know, <laughs> but it's funny. That a lot of people are into cars, and they would come out for these events, and it would it was kind of fun because we were part of the insider crowd. But sure. I think that with the big change, you know, we'll see what happens. I know that without Geneva and and everybody moving around in the big shift, we'll have to see what happens because there's no consumer electronics show this year either. So that means that we won't see our first show until. The re-envisioned Los Angeles auto show, I don't even know when that is. Isn't that in the fall now? Oh, it moved to the fall. Yes, everyone's moving around. Yeah. They're just testing us. I think they're testing each other. <laughs> I, you, seriously, I think that, uh, you know, the L.A. show uh, moved, I think, dangerously close to the Detroit show. And and I think uh, they, they were using some fairly sharp elbows when they did that, too. Because mm-hmm. yeah. because Rod at the Detroit show had that date pretty well settled, and then for and LA they to come stole in, it. yeah, 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 I think they bogarted their their some of their thunder, and yeah. you know, I don't I don't think that Rod is going to be buying Mark any cocktails. So Paul, you and I also do a show called His Turn Her Turn. When we're back on the road, we'll be back doing the His Turn Her Turn car reviews. But I would love to have you come back on our podcast again and tell some of the amazing stories and things that you've experienced. Because Paul has, he's he's like his own Vin Wiki. He's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know which one I like telling most. And we'll, we'll have to, I love telling driving the Pope mobile. Oh, we'll I, have to save that. We'll have to see. Yeah. That's a good one. And it's worth waiting for. Yeah. yeah. So Paul we'll drives like, the Pope mobile. 
Oh, we'll have to save for the, save that for a future date. But thank you so much for giving us some insight on the auto shows because I don't think anyone's ever heard that before. There's there's a whole business behind the business. You know, it's like when you go to the circus, all you see is the elephants, but you don't know if there's a guy behind the curtain and with a shovel in his hand. So. <laughs> <laughs> where can we find you on social media if we want to if we want to communicate with you paul find find me on facebook i'm just paul bryan there and and uh, i'm happy to have you there but twitter i'm i am uh, a rabid tw- tweeter and uh, i tweet at the paul bryan p-a-u-l-b-r-i-a-n Awesome. So, so uh, please follow me, and uh, if you have any questions, and and also, you know, you know, on our stuff, on his turn, her turn, I think people are amazed as to how much we interact with people that comment on our videos. Yes, we do. That's part of it. Is that we feel if you have a question, you deserve an answer. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you All for right. the invitation. Well, thanks. We'll look forward to chatting with you again, and I'll talk to you soon. Ciao, ciao. Ci vediamo dopo. Well, Lauren, thank you very much uh, for that uh, interview. Very interesting. Obviously, Paul knows a lot about it because he was actually working inside a, a major auto show in uh, Chicago, right? Yeah, I mean, he he's always been what he's, I've been co-driving with him for a long time. He's always a character, I have to say. I always enjoy riding yeah. with him. He always has great stories. We have to have him back to tell some of the stories that of the things he's experienced. He worked for Alfa Romeo at one point and and boy, does he have some interesting stories. Well, for now, we hope to have interesting stories for next week. So thank you, Carl, uh, for sharing the information about that Defender. And Lauren, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Take care. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com.